you take my shirt? No. Okay. Welcome back to our podcast. Welcome back to Did You Take My Shirt? Did you take my shirt? No, I think that you took my pants, though. (laughs) Alice was listening to the podcast, and she's like, Mommy, can I tell you something? I was like, what's up? She said, you guys say, do you take my shirt too much? (laughs) What? (laughs) It was like, uh, we said it like four times, maybe. She's like, I have some criticism Criticism. to give you. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, okay. It was got the, it, boss. I'll make note. <laughs> it was like the first one when we were trying to like explain why we named it. Yeah. Did you take my shirt? And she's like, like, that's way too much. Cut it back. Cut it back. Yeah, cut it back. It's like, I don't think I want you listening to my podcast. <laughs> so. Did she like it though? She listened to like the beginning and then like that was enough. That was enough for her. She was over it. Yeah, so. she's like, this is way too long. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> she, well, when she listens to her podcast, they go like, they're like freaking forever. Like, yeah, they're like three hours long. I'm like, how? <laughs> yeah. What do you guys even talk about? <laughs> Disney. That's those are her the podcasts that she. Listens I guess to. that's an endless topic. An endless topic. Absolutely. How was your uh, week? Um, well, we have been, um, in quarantine, so, uh, uh, our, Alice was around someone that may have tested, that did test positive, so we've been kind of just doing our own thing this week, so. Yeah, and you guys are good, you guys did what you needed to, and you're, you're fine, but you're still quarantining, so. Yep, it's good. Everyone tested negative, but we are still doing the 10 days that they tell us to do. So yeah, I'm about ready to just like, we went on a bike ride yesterday. Cause I was like, we're negative. Like we're not going to be around anyone. Like we're on a trail. Go, yeah. On a bike ride. Yeah. And so we went on a bike ride and it was so nice oh, just to get out. It. Yeah. You Didn't said your legs were sore after the bike ride. Was oh it, my like, gosh. How far yes. did you guys go? Uh, we went four miles but it's like the inside of my legs that hurt Mm. like right where it sits on the seat so yeah it was fun though we had a good time you guys should do that more often that sounds like fun we do Alice every time we every time we go a long distance she always falls Mm -hmm. so then we have to like either I ask her like can you do it or do we have to have someone come pick us up so (laughs) She's like, can you carry me back? Yeah, basically. I'm like, no. <laughs> so. Such a goof. She's such a goofball. I know. How was your week? Um, what did I do this week? It was good. I've been going to the gym. And nice. uh, actually, I was pretty busy at work this week. So I've been doing that. And then. Um, watched the, I watched Suicide Squad last night, the new Suicide Squad. It was pretty good. Is that a movie? Yeah, it's a new movie. It's the DC universe with like Harley Quinn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was actually pretty good. I didn't mind the first Suicide Squad, but Mm -hmm. I liked the Suicide Squad. Harley Quinn, Margot Robbie really carries the film. On her shoulders and that's harley harley quinn yeah okay. margot robbie plays harley quinn um and fun fact she actually when margot Ro- um i think that's how you say her name i might be mispronouncing it but whatever she when she signed on with dc to do suicide squad and do like that, that whole universe yeah uh the, the first movie that she was in, she didn't get to choose her wardrobe and she felt it was like super hypersexualized. And she, yeah. It was like, it was like sexy and she didn't really like the idea of that because, you know, Harley Quinn is kind of in her own and she eventually like creates her own style where it's like fun and kind of like different. Yeah. And she like wears more than just like sexy stuff. So right. to, she asked them to agree to stay on. She would only... She would only stay on if she were was able to choose her own wardrobe. 
Ooh, I love that. Yeah. So you'll see, like, you start to see a more diverse wardrobe um, in her movies that she's in. Cool. cool. Yeah. Yeah. This new one, she, like, wears, like, this cool, like, checkered crop top in the beginning. And then, uh, and it has, like, um, I forget what it says on the back. Um, It has some, like, Joker, Harley Quinn saying on it and yeah it's like this cute and they sell it a hot topic i saw it at hot topic yesterday what that's okay yeah and then she wears this like really pretty like red flowy kind of like prom dress but yeah. you know throughout it it gets like ripped up and like all like kind of battly and looks like she's like been through it yeah it's cool she's wearing I a like prom it. dress <laughs> it's not like a prom prom dress it's like a pretty it's like kind of fluffy red tinsely not tinsley, but still like um, she's like battling people and she's like i oh, sorry i still gotta look nice yeah it was good it was pretty funny it's just pretty much that this week nothing too exciting to report unfortunately hey that's um, the best kind of days weeks yeah it's been better throughout throughout the rest of the week i was in a funk the beginning of the week because the whole new covid scares and the yeah getting shut down again has me super anxious because I already have enough anxiety from last year that still working through that anxiety but I'm I'm still working through and I'm sure everyone else is too but you know I don't like to pretend like nothing is happening which I feel like is a lot of yeah what's going on right now so yeah what like our town it like there's a fair going on right now like why <laughs> just gotta I mean be careful for yourself you guys are good if you make sure that you, you you're good so that's yeah where we're at now to each their own like you need to make sure you're taking care of you and really yep. at this point we can't control what other people do because you know not everyone has the best interests right. in the society so yeah well that's like I yeah. shut shut the daycare down because I was like well if she's sick like that's I can't have that on my shoulders if she gets someone else sick. So yeah, just got to do what we got to do. Good on you. Yep. Yeah. What's, what uh, Disney story do you have? I, <laughs> so I was in charge of finding the Disney story this week. Amy has done it the past two episodes and I just Googled Disney park incidents and there are so many. Holy crap. <laughs> it's kind of, it's kind of scary. <laughs> Yeah, but so I picked one from uh, Disney World and Animal Kingdom, the Prim Evil Whirl, Prim Evil Whirl, uh-huh. how you say it. It's your uh-huh. favorite ride, so you should know how to say it. Prim Evil Whirl. It is. It's my favorite ride in Animal Kingdom, Prim Evil Whirl. Just so you can get a general idea of it, it's like a carnival ride in the middle of you know a giant corporate theme park you wouldn't think that they would like their own super fair type rides into it but it makes it pretty fun because it's in this like little dinosaur land it's called dino land and it's all the theme is like dinosaur carnival yeah and this one is like one of those uh at the carnival where it's uh two seater and it's super jerky like it's small but it's tall and it goes it goes down really fast and then it like jerks you really fast like a cheap roller coaster at at a fair yeah like you and, feel like you're going to fall off the whole time yeah and you're like i'm going to die cuz it goes around the corner so fast i don't like riding it because it goes the corner so fast and so hard i'm like we're going to fly off and die well, um, that's why i like it <laughs> it's like I'm like laughing the whole time we're on it because I'm like we're gonna die I'm like my my neck is like getting thrown out that entire ride and you're like this is so fun and then I'm like crying because I decided to ride it I can't wait for Um, us to be able to go on it because they have to be 55 inches tall like she's gonna love it oh yeah oh yeah (laughs) um so the ride that I have for this incident that's the ride that we're speaking about today um on so on November 27 2007 um not too long ago a 63 year old employee died from a brain injury 
injury injury that they suffered four days earlier when they hit got hit by a ride vehicle after falling from a restricted area of the station. Can you imagine? So no. she must she must have like gotten to where you know you can't go because you'll get hit by one of the carts. And those carts don't go slow. No, they're very fast. So she went to a spot where she, like the cars came back, like she got hit by them. Yeah, so she must have got hit pretty hard to have suffered a brain or injury. Yeah. Um, she I'm guessing she was in the hospital for this time frame, but she ultimately ended up passing away from the injury itself. On May 20, 23rd, 2008, OSHA fined Walt Disney World $25,500 and charged the company with five safety violations. Ooh, wow. OSHA coming in there. Yeah. Wow. The fine, yeah. The fines were $15,000 for three serious violations, $7,500 for a still missing handrail that had been previously reported and 3000 for not responding to OSHA requests from the <gasps> requested time period. Disney. Yeah, dude. Naughty, a naughty. S- second incident, not to t- about three years after, on March 13, 2011, a 52-year-old employee suffered head injuries while working on the ride and was airlifted to a local hospital where he later died. The ride was undergoing maintenance and was close to the public at the time of the incident. Same incident. Oh, wow. OSHA must love Disney. They're like, oh, uh, they're money, probably money. Their, oh yeah. It's probably <laughs> their favorite company to work with. Yeah, wow. they're like, come on, Disney. Like, all this money and they can't even follow OSHA regulations. So, D- Disney, they never put up a railing that they were supposed to put up. Yeah. That I'm guessing OSHA told them to put up before. Like, mm-hmm. how, how hard is it to, they spend, like, probably $25,000 a night just on fireworks. Like, why can't, a stinking railing? a rail, yeah. Wow. Good job, um, Disney. We'll still go, but though. <laughs> I, that ride, I'm always skeptical to ride just because it is just sketchy, and they're always working on it. There's always something wrong with it. Yeah. So I am just, I'm not a fan of that ride. Uh, do you think they, at this point, after like having more than one employee die from like the ride itself, getting hit by it, they'd be like, hey, bye. But they're like, I guess too many people like it. <laughs> Me. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's wild. Good story. Prim, prim, primeval whirl. Prim evil world. I can't even say it. <laughs> I am either. Well, I know in my story, there's a lot of names that I'm going to butcher and I feel really bad, but, and I could have been the good person and looked it up of how to pronounce it, but I forgot. So yeah. it is what it is. Where are we That's going? Right. Where are we going this week? We are going to Alabama, Arizona. Arizona. That's what I did. I did do Arizona. <laughs> okay. I was like, we did Alabama last week. <laughs> I was trying to think of the what the states were alphabetically, and obviously, I don't know my alphabet, so I did have to look it up. So yeah, I you know. Too. <laughs> yeah. So did you see, like? There are so many murders in Arizona. Like really. Uh, from when like I looked up like list of uh uh murders in Arizona and it was just like the list went on and on and on and on yeah there weren't there weren't there are a lot I agree with you no I said there are there are that's what I said yeah I agree with you there are a lot of murders um but I none of them really like struck my interest Same. as much as I wanted them to yeah like it was very like so-and-so just stabbed so-and-so and I'm like oh, yes <laughs> yeah the stories so, were, weren't very in-depth I agree they weren't in that which is fine and we yeah. can have like shorter episodes but um I don't know I want stuff that's interesting not stuff that you like hear on the news every day so yeah we don't need to hear about how Jon Snow stabbed his wife out of anger that's the guy from 
Game of Thrones. John John Doe is what I meant. <laughs> I've never seen Game of, Game of Thrones, but I know the name. <laughs> it's fitting though for if you've seen it mm-hmm. for the for the last episode. Yeah. I yeah. I don't know. Um no spoiler alert. I don't <laughs> if you're watching the Game of Thrones right now, you should not be worried about spoiler alerts. So that's true. That is true. I've never <laughs> seen it. I was just one of those, like, uh, it seems like a lot of work to put into. Yeah. So, and I like more uh, funny, more serious. I don't like serious shows very much. So, yeah. The only serious one I watch is Grey's Anatomy. And um, I've had a lot of people tell me to watch that. You know, it's, it's not as good as it was in the beginning, it's definitely yeah. one of those like you want it to keep going because you don't want it to end but it, they're like on season like 18 now like we need to put it to bed so yeah yeah I, I only watch it because I'm I'm this invested so I need to tell you about Winnie Ruth Judd um Winnie Ruth Judd uh she she went through it that's for sure um so she was born to a reverend um his name was H.J. McKinnell and he was a Methodist minister they're always children of ministers her parents were uh H.J. McKinnell and he was a Methodist minister um and as and her mom was Carrie um, she was born in Oxford in Indiana, but why do they always have parents that are like pastors or ministers or, or is it always involving the church? Anyways, uh, so uh, it was either she was 17 or 19. I got two different uh, ages for this, um, but at 17 or 19, she married Dr. William Judd. He was uh, 20 years older than her, and mm-hmm. they quickly got married and took off to their new life in Mexico. Ooh. Yeah, but they couldn't, uh, Dr. Judd was a morphine addict because- oh, Bummer. <laughs> Puts a damper yeah. in the marriage. It sure does. Um, he served in World War One, so um, he had injuries from the war, so he got addicted to morphine, but uh, so he- because he was a morphine addict, he couldn't keep down um, jobs. There are always he was always looking for a new job, so they did yeah. move a lot around a lot, um, and they never really had a steady income. Mm-hmm. But um, because of that, and Ruth uh, got t- tuberculosis, uh, they didn't, and, and she couldn't bear children. Their marriage was pretty rocky. Mm-hmm. um unfortunately so in 19, in the 1930s they finally like separated completely and um but they did stay in contact almost daily so it sounds like they were like still friends yeah um but uh she eventually moved to phoenix um and she was a governess to a wealthy family which uh a governess is basically a homeschool teacher they uh, teach the kids and and whatnot, but at their house, so they don't have to go to school. Which yeah. Alice actually had one of those. <laughs> so during during COVID, um, but while she was working there, she met a man named mm-hmm, John J. Harloran, Halloran, um, but also known as Happy Jack. Mm-hmm. Um. And Happy Jack, he uh, was married, and he was pretty active in the city's political and social circles, and and he was a businessman, but also he was a player player. Player player. Um, Player player. Obviously, (laughs) like... degrading women and looking down on them and whatnot so um, what a piece of trash what a piece of trash uh mm-hmm. so the women kept going after him oh, uh, <laughs> probably because he was very like he was 
flirted a lot and very yeah uh, yeah ruled them in mm -hmm. um but then she started working at um, a medical clinic in phoenix um where she was a receptionist so and that's where she became friends with agnes and leroy and um an x-ray tech helvig uh samuelson um, and those two women were actually, they moved together from Alaska and they were roommates. So they moved down to only people, fine people will know this. And they were roommates. And they were roommates. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, they moved all the way, which is wild. Like, why do we, we keep finding things that tie back to Alaska, which I think is funny, but, uh, so yeah, they moved moved together to in Air, Phoenix, Arizona. Um, but they were also very friendly with Happy Jack. So yeah. So yeah, sounds messy. Sounds very messy. Um, and Ruth was twenty six at this time, um, and she actually tried to move in with the, her two friends. But after a few months, like it wasn't working out, they're arguing a lot. So she moved back to her part apartment and oh, computer, wait, my computer wanted to restart all of a sudden. Um, oh, <laughs> it was trying to do an update. Um, it was like, can we do it now? I'm like, no, can we do it now? No. <laughs> so, um, on October 16th, 1931, Helvig and uh, Agnes, uh, her two friends, were murdered. Oh who, who do you think did it? Um, hmm. I'm going to guess not so happy, Jack. Uh, definitely not Dr. Judd. That's for sure. Uh, uh, Winnie. Winnie. Uh, Ruth. Uh, Dr. Judd would call she mainly went by Ruth because uh, that was her middle name. Um, but anyways, yeah. So, um, yep. She shot them with a 25, 25 caliber handgun. Um, Why'd in, she do that? In their apartment. Why'd uh, she do that? You'll find out. <laughs> well, didn't we? Ha we had a dog named Winnie. We did. Winchester. She was the best. She was the best dog. She never killed anyone. No, she didn't. Nope. She should have gone. You know what? Ruth should have gone by her first name. Maybe she wouldn't have killed people. Yeah. Maybe she would have been nicer. Yeah. Um, so yeah, she shot them with a handgun in the bungalow located at 2929 North Second Street in Arizona, Phoenix, Arizona. Um, and then she then dismembered uh Helvig's body. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. Put her head and torso and lower legs into a black shipping trunk. And I saw this one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> and the upper body extremities in a beige valise, valet valise, and hat bag. Uh, why? <laughs> I don't know why she dismembered that body, but then left Leroy's uh, body intact. And then put the whole body in a second shipping bag. Um, I'm guessing because maybe one was smaller than the other. I don't know. Maybe, maybe just don't do that altogether. <laughs> but so two days later, she boarded an overnight Golden State limited passenger train from Arizona to LA with the trunks. And then um, <laughs> she's like, gone on a little vacation Taking got a lot of got a lot of luggage <laughs> my, my friends and I are going on vacation <laughs> people, are, people are like what did that smell exactly what happened so uh the baggage handler was like hmm this is gross because it smelled <laughs> really bad and there's liquid seeping from the bag <gasps> ew yeah it <laughs> makes me want to gag <laughs> Uh, and so they asked her while she was on the train, they're like, Hey, can we have the keys to your trunks? And she's like, Oh, actually I don't have them. And so the reason why they're super suspicious about it was because it brought sus to the bags because 
the smell, but also I guess there's deer meat contraband, which like you can't oh. bring meat across state borders. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's what they thought. Like that was, I guess it's like an ongoing, it was an ongoing issue. So that's why they're like, hmm, this is weird. Yeah. Um, like, are you carrying deer meat with you? Yeah, exactly. So, um, so, so when they got to, uh, LA, they're like, we have to hold on to these. And they told her that like on the train. So she's like, all right. So as soon as the train stopped, she got off and left the, uh, trunks behind and her brother picked her up and um dropped her off wherever she needed to go and that's when she disappeared Mm -hmm. and uh the police ended up breaking into the trunks and obviously discovered the bodies so there's an apb out uh for her and she hid out for a few days and eventually turned herself in at a funeral home on October (laughs) she's like I got some bodies can you bury them also I killed them (laughs) they're like this has never happened before but we're gonna have to call the authorities (laughs) ma'am but I'm returning them back to you so she eventually turned herself in um on October 23rd 1931 um and people called her the tiger woman, the blonde butcher, and the trunk murderess. Why um, the tiger woman? Did I it say? No. And I looked it up and it didn't make any sense. It made no sense to me whatsoever. Tiger woman. I don't know. I can't think of, because she's like a lioness and she's oh, like, was be. she hot? Like, was she pretty? Yeah. I mean, for the, yeah, she was. So maybe uh, they I, were like, oh, this attractive person, lady. Yeah. People like, she's a tiger lady. Well, every time I, t- I like, I type in tiger woman and it obviously brought up Carol Baskin. So <laughs> it was really annoying. I was like, tiger woman, 1930s. And it was like still Carol Baskin. It was very annoying. Anyways. Carol Baskin is the modern day Ruth, Winnie Ruth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. more than <laughs> likely so she was um tried only for one friend um did, did they still call her her friends after they found out that she murdered them uh that was me <laughs> <laughs> that was gonna be like they are obviously not her friends because she <laughs> killed them <laughs> Uh, well their friendship sounded so nice like you know yeah like, so moved together yeah like, so I'm yeah. like still in my mind I'm like they're still friends so. they're still friends um <laughs> so she was only tried um for Leroy's uh Leroy's uh body uh uh-huh. or death because it wasn't dismembered which didn't make sense to me but huh. um That's, this doesn't seem right sorry that's okay. Uh, the state prosecution uh, uh, argued it was premeditated and, and whatnot, and her defense uh, claimed that she was insane. So they're like, no, like, she didn't know what she was doing. And um, she was found guilty on first-degree murder on February 8th and was sentenced sentenced to hang only a couple days later. Yeah, February hang? Mm-hmm. Uh, sentenced to hang on February 17th, 1933. Um, so she was sent to Arizona State Prison in Florence, Arizona. And her death was actually overturned uh, 10 days after a 10 day long hearing. Um, they actually found that she was mentally incompetent. Um, mm. So instead, she was sent to Arizona State Asylum for the insane on April 23rd, 1933. Interesting. I wonder what they deemed uh, insane for that time period. Well, I I don't know. Well, as a woman, they deemed like. Oh, in, yeah. Women insane. that did math. Yeah. So, so probably a woman that killed someone. It was like definitely insane. Yeah, because of a, a jealousy over yeah. a, a guy. That would make sense. Um, but there's more. So 
<laughs> Yay. <laughs> uh, uh, there was a grand jury that was held for Jack, Happy Jack. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was actually indicted in front of the grand jury as an accomplice in December oh. of 1932. Mm-hmm. <gasps> he was involved? It gets sticky. So, uh, during the uh, preliminary hearing, uh, Jack, on Jack, uh, Ruth was actually the star witness because, like, obviously she's trying to get out of this. Like, so um, her testimony lasted almost three days, which is a very long testimony. Yeah. But um, she was basically just telling her emotional story and um, at one point she said, I'm going to be hanged for something John he- Halloran is responsible for. I was convicted for murder, but I shot in self-defense. Jack <gasps> removed every bit of evidence. He is responsible for me going through all of this. He is guilty of anything I am guilty of. Oh my God. So th- like, uh, what she, what happened was, uh, she said that she went to the apartment to play a uh, bridge with her friends. Mm-hmm. And um, there was a fourth woman there who had actually like was leaving as she was showing up. And there was an argument about Judd's um, introduction of Harloran to another woman. Like he um, like said, like, this is my friend or whatever to that girl. And Judd's like, I thought we're more than that yeah so they there was an argument and uh then she killed Leroy uh Leroy and Samuelson in self-defense because they like started attacking her after a physical or after a physical attack so they basically like she was like oh I shot in self-defense and she had uh a gun a wound from the gun on her hand so uh but during her hearing they were saying that uh she that was a self-inflicted wound um to make it look like it was self-defense um but shortly after uh she met up with jack or uh sorry so she killed her friends after the physical attack and shortly after she met up with jack and went back to the apartment with him Mm-hmm. And uh, he went out to the garage and came back with these great big heavy trunks and told her not to tell anyone. And that's when um, they put them in the in the trunks. Um, she did admit to repacking Samuelson's dismembered body in a trunk and luggage two days after the murder. So like she repacking, she like took the dead body out, out and, and then like fixed it and put it back in. Like, I just got to get a little bit. There needs a little bit more room. It's kind of hard to push down. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, Jack actually didn't testify during this hearing um, because it was it was his hearing. And uh, they said that uh, the uh, his attorney told the courts that Judd's story was nothing more than a story of an insane person. Mm -hmm. Um, And because uh, he didn't. And because Jack actually didn't do anything wrong, he didn't kill anybody, um, the uh, court decided to drop the charge. They asked the court to drop the charges against him, which they actually did. In January of 1933, the judge was like, hey, you're good. You're fine. You didn't that actually is, kill anyone. That's ridiculous. Isn't it? Oh, yeah. So, uh, Ruth is in the phoenix asylum um and she escaped six times actually wow so yeah does it um, sound like an in, something an insane person can do you would yeah i wouldn't think so so uh she one time when she escaped she actually walked all the way to yuma arizona along the railroad tracks and i actually looked it up and it's 185 miles oh my god and then she got picked up and brought back. Like, that's a long, long walk. <laughs> yeah. Where was she trying to go? She tried to go anywhere. One time she went to LA. Um, and then, oh, here we go. Uh, sorry. She escaped for the final time on October 8th, 1963. Um, 
And she actually, a friend of hers at the hospital gave her a key to the front door. And um, she ended up going to the San San Francisco uh, Bay Area where she became a live-in maid for a wealthy family in a mansion. Using the name Marion Lane, uh, her freedom, I I want you to take a guess of how long it took her be, or how long they it took for them to find her um, I'm gonna say several, several years mm-hmm. six and a half years <gasps> which was a pretty long time um her identity in California was ac- uh, eventually discovered and they brought her back to Arizona in 1969 and um she hired a San Francisco defense attorney for this because um, she's like, I'm not insane. Like, there's nothing wrong with me. And um, he uh, fought for her and or him and another attorney because he didn't have privileges in Arizona. So uh, he was like uh, called for like a press conference and was like, she she needs to be free like there's nothing wrong with her and yeah the Arizona attorney actually fired the San Francisco defense attorney because uh uh he's like you're ruining this for her by by acting out like this so he fired her but she eventually was paroled and released on December 22nd 1971 um after two years of going back and forth with uh, the state um, for like proving if she was insane or not. Um, so she eventually moved to Stockton, California in 1983. Um, and the state of Arizona gave her an absolute discharge, meaning uh, she is no longer on parole. Mm-hmm. Um, and she just died October 23rd, ni- 1998. At the age of 93. Um, wow. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, 67 years to the day from her surrender to the Los Angeles Police Department in 1931 when she uh, was on the in the funeral home. So that is Winnie Ruth Judd. That was a, Winnie Ruth Judd. That was a, a wild, wild time. That is yeah. cool. like it just to wrap my head around that she was able to escape six times. Yeah, just like let her go at that point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like so obviously like what she did was really terrible. You don't kill someone over jealousy. over jealousy, but at the same time, what if it was self-defense? It could have been and you know, it's very easy back in that time to claim some insanity from someone who has a very reasonable case especially if it's a woman who yep you know i agree uh, hmm. 30s man she made it all the way to 1998 she made it that was a long time was a long time <laughs> like and just to think like i don't know i wonder how how her life was when yeah, she I was to stop that yeah she like lived through pretty big big eras like oh yeah 60s 70s 80s 90s yep she's like by the end of the 90s she's like god i'm really happy i don't have to go any longer i do not want to see what the 2000s are like (laughs) that's a long time yeah (laughs) so uh don't kill your friend over jealousy no it's not worth it and don't put them in a nice i saw the pictures of those trunks and they were fairly nice i wonder if they're still around to this day as evidence oh i'm sure probably in like a murder uh museum or something yeah it'd be pretty neat to see i think that's my favorite one so far i thank you i think yeah after your last story on the giggling granny i was like man i gotta step up my game here (laughs) There's some, I mean, I saw, I remember seeing that one, but I didn't want to go into, I don't know. It didn't strike my interest. It wasn't one that I was like, I really want to put some research into this. So I agree. Yeah. The story that I have 
is um, sort of recent. It was about, you know, starting in the early 2000s. But today I will be speaking about Robert William Fisher. Robert William yeah, you'll, you might, it might, it might rise some familiarities. I know there are some documentaries on Netflix and other streaming platforms of yeah. this individual, but Fisher is currently a fugitive suspected of murdering his wife and their two children. On June 29th, 2002, he was named by the FBI as the 475th fugitive to be placed on list of the fbi 10 most wanted fugitives oh and so guess, he was like out <sighs> yeah guess what he remains at large to this day no he doesn't yeah he was never caught he could be your neighbor katie yep so let's dive on deep into this because you know it gave me a little bit anxiety because i was like thinking about how many people do bad things that are just like around us and how he's probably just been living his life that stresses me out a lot i think i know all the time (laughs) uh listener discretion advised if you have high anxiety about sketchy individuals don't listen to this (laughs) like seriously so Fisher was born in brooklyn new york on april 13th 1961 his father was william and Jan Fisher. Fisher had two sisters, and eventually they did move to Arizona. So this is in, it's in Arizona base, but he grew up in Brooklyn. Okay. Um, Fisher's parents divorced when he was 15 in 1976. So he, you know, he's a teenager. His parents are going through this divorce, and allegedly the divorce was extremely difficult. It left a long-lasting effect on Robert. Who, oh, yeah. As an adult, it was said that as an adult, he would still speak up about the divorce to coworkers and friends, stating how troubled and confined, like, that situation and how it, like, affected his life. Sorry. Yeah. I worded that weird, but. That's okay. Um, he would also tell an, an associate from a previous employer that if his mother had never left the family um his life would have been different which yes it makes sense yeah it makes sense but you know he I think he meant it in the sense of like his whole life would have been differently like things would have played out differently if his mother didn't you can't blame your you can't always blame your past on no the actions that you do it sounded like he was kind of stuck in that traumatic experience for him and I mean from the sense from the sense of it it seemed like it was pretty traumatic for him because it was an extremely difficult divorce yeah um so I I can't say but I know in some cases you know those aren't very fun no so um I couldn't find anything really from his early childhood teenage era his time of his life to up to his marriage so you know he remained a normal social life as a teenager he attended high school he you know there's nothing stating that you know he got in trouble a lot he seemed like a pretty normal kid yeah so robert fisher had joined the army he eventually got out um and was a navy veteran uh he had ended up marrying Sorry, I just, why are, is it always military or reverence? <laughs> like trauma, trauma, dude, trauma. Trauma. <laughs> people get in high stress level situations. People's brain lengths and brain waves I are know. altered. People's, people's ways of thinking and everything is all altered because of different, you know, you know, I yeah. don't, <laughs> You. I'm like, you know, but I mean, like, I don't really know, but that's my guess. You know, I've. I know a lot of people who have like suffered from PTSD and it oh, really yeah. alters, alters your whole, like it can alter your personality. It can alter your actions. Like, absolutely. I have a, uh, we have a good friend that, that has that and it, it absolutely, but it's just, I think it's ironic 
that we keep finding stories of yeah. they're either involved in the church or <laughs> yeah or a veteran yeah. so Robert is a Navy veteran he ended up marrying a Mary Cooper in 1987. Fisher ended up having many professions out of out of being out of the army. He worked as a surgical catheter technician, a respiratory therapist, and he was also a firefighter. Wow. And aside from his careers, he had many hobbies such as an outdoorsman, hunter, and fisherman. He liked all the outdoorsy manly man stuff. Oh, yeah. So aside from his just basic lifestyle of, you know, being a busy bee and having many hobbies, he was pretty cruel and distant to his family uh, and was a control freak to his children and was described as awkward when um, engaging with them to other family family members. That's sad. So they would just later describe that, you know, he was a huge control freak. The interactions like at family events and everything were very awkward in the way that he spoke to the children. Okay. Despite all of that, he tried to hold on to an image as a devoted family man. You know, he's still a father. He has to stay in that father-like figure to status that, right. you know, he's being expected of his mother-in-law Jenny Cooper told investigators that Fisher didn't socialize often with family because of a fear of getting too close to people and losing them oh which I would expect some sort of trauma coming from his family that had yeah his parents getting a divorce yeah so Fisher's mother told investigators that she had been um a yes sir wife who um, didn't stand up to her husband. Uh, she added that she saw similar dynamics early in her son's marriage to Mary, and he talked to her daughter-in-law about concerns. One close friend of Robert Fisher stated that his family resembled Fisher's childhood family. So very similar. It seems like Fisher couldn't get away from his childhood, which held some trauma for him. That's just, oh, that's really sad. Yeah. Um, but you know, also it's ultimately, I mean, I, I'm not one to say, you know, just fix it, but ultimately you're in control of you are what your life is like. So but back then really- also not, I mean, it wasn't too long ago, but therapy also wasn't very, it we wasn't talked about. Yeah. So we'll get into that. So that Fisher and his family were active members of the Scottsdale Baptist Church. They were religious. Mm -hmm. So when Mary and Fisher began to experience marital troubles, they did seek counseling from the church's uh, pastor in 1998. Yeah. Um, But the marital, they, you know, they tried, but the marital problems would continue after the attempt to fix it. Like their counseling that they sought didn't really, they didn't really benefit much from it. About yeah, about two years later, Fisher told coworkers about a one-night affair with a prostitute he met in a massage parlor. So he ended up cheating on her. He was worried that his wife wouldn't find out, and that it was a cause of a urinary tract infection that left him ill for several days. So he got sick, and not a very happy ending. Yeah, and. But he was afraid his wife was going to find out like he was super sick and she was like, why are you sick? But I get she never found out. But, you know, they were having issues to the point that he felt the need to go and seek pleasure elsewhere. Stupid. Yeah. (laughs) Despite Fisher's lack of commitment in his marriage. Fisher would later tell a hunting mate that he was renewing his commitment to his faith and his marriage was because he could not live without his family. He, you know, he came to his senses and he's like, I want to try and fix this. I messed up. Let's try it. Let's try this again. Let's try and mend whatever is broken here. Right. Um, later, the his hunting mate that would be spoken to felt like he was kind of hinting at 
that he would consider suicide over divorce. Yeah, he was kind of like, I can't, literally cannot live without my family. Yeah. According to psychologists, an intense fear of loss is not unusual for an individual traumatized by divorce. Well, in an adolescent. Yeah. So um, that makes sense. It does, but you're you're living without them when you when you decide to kill yourself. Yeah. So this guy. And- you're forcing them to live without you too. Yeah, he just really seems like he doesn't. He's might be a little bit messed up in the head because he's not, yeah. or he just needs a, a lot of help and he's not getting it. Yeah. Yep. That's exactly it. He's too caught up in the thoughts in his head and it's, yeah. it's drowning him. Yeah. Um, in the weeks before her death, Mary Fisher told several friends she was going to get a divorce with her husband. She was at the point, you know, they tried too many times, try and mend things back together. But Mary, you know, she was ready to move on. It was too many times, you know, they weren't, they weren't in love anymore. You know, she was, she was at the point, she was done. She was ready to move on. She was over it. Like, right. She was putting herself and her family first. Right. So Fisher didn't take this well. According to a, num- a neighbor of the Fisher family, the couple had a lar- loud argument on April 9th, 2001. Wasn't taking the situation well. It was like, according to the neighbor, super loud, could hear. I mean, if you can hear out as a neighbor, it must have been very visibly, I, audibly loud. I always fear that the neighbors can hear me when I'm like yelling at Alice or <laughs> Rick and I are like bickering. Like I'm like, it has yeah. to be pretty loud for a neighbor to hear. I feel like and I'm sure. And we, I mean, we have trees in between us and ours are, we don't live in a, a subdivision or whatever, but it's still like one of my fears, like start yelling and I'm like, ah, crap, someone's hearing me. <laughs> was gonna think that I'm hurting someone (laughs) um but yeah so it was visibly or audibly loud enough for the neighbor to hear and this was approximately 10 hours before the house blew up in an explosion it blew up yeah so this is a timeline we just rolled right into that you keep doing that to me (laughs) (laughs) so but this their fight was about 10 hours before Yeah, before the explosion, the next morning, following their argument, Mary Fisher was shot in the back of the head, and her children's throats were slashed from ear to ear. Why so dramatic? Why? I don't know. Hours before the explosion. So, had quick murder, and then a few hours later, the home explodes. There's not much detail into the murder itself that's just how they were found that makes Um, me so mad firefighters were immediately alerted um they're (laughs) you're fine the firefighters were immediately alerted uh following the explosion uh it was due to a natural gas explosion and fire the explosion ripped through the ranch style house and the blast appeared to be centered in the living room the subsequent fire burned the house to the ground leaving not much but the front brick wall and rattling the frames of the house so it was like the frames and that was like wow firefighters were on the scene within minutes and kept the 20 foot high blaze from spreading to neighboring houses so they were you know their main concern was not getting other houses on fire right sense yeah um a series of smaller secondary explosions from Rifle ammunition, paint cans kept going off while the house was on fire. So there were a lot of explosives in the house itself. This forced the firefighters to keep their dense distance. And one one firefighter even suffered minor injuries to his leg when he lost his balance and fell near near the burning house. Jeez. Evidence of the homicide had allegedly been tried to be concealed by pulling out the gas line from the back of the home's furnace. The accumulating gas was later ignited by an ignition source, possibly the pilot light on the water. So that was like how the start of they were trying to figure out how this fire started. Um, 
I don't really understand that completely. I I mean, I know that the pilot light on the water heater, uh, like I know I know where it is, but I I can't wrap my head around. So it'd be like a when you start have a barbecuer. Yeah. And you know, like the propane that you use and you have to light it, but if it doesn't light, like it still exhausts the propane going. Yeah. It still goes. And so I'm guessing I'm, I, this is just a guess here, but that's how I picture the water heater. Yeah. And then like it eventually lights, but there's all this built up oxygen or propane or whatever. And so it instead of just lighting it like explodes that makes sense yeah okay thank you for you're welcome uh if you need anything else explaining um, that because i'm like i don't know how fires start (laughs) so after the fire was put out and the source of the start of the explosion was figured out um the burned bodies of a woman and two children were found laying in a bed in the remains of the house. The victims were identified as Mary Fisher. She was 38 at the time. And her two children, Brittany Fisher, she was 12, and Robert Bobby William Fisher, Jr., he was 10. Oh, honeys. Yeah. Investigators considered that Robert Fisher murdered his family because he felt threatened that his wife was going to divorce him. That's despite, so selfish. I know. Despite their marital difficulties, he vowed that his marriage would never dissolve. In this case, it was left in ashes. Oh. Yeah. Burn. So following the investigation, just a few days later, Robert William Fisher, he's disappeared. He's gone following the murder and the explosion. They had no trace of him, and he was an an official suspect of the case on April 14, 2001, when Arizona Department of Public Safety officers were instructed in a statewide alert to arrest him. Yeah. So, still nowhere to be found on April 20th, the last physical evidence of Fisher's whereabouts surfaced when police found his forerunner and his dog, his dog was with him. Oh, he didn't kill the dog. Well, I'm glad he didn't kill the dog, but. But he left the dog in the Tonto National Forest. His dog's name was Blue. It's very cute. Blue. Like from Blue's Clues. <laughs> this was about the Tonto National Forest. is about 100 miles north of Scottsdale. So they ended up finding his forerunner and their dog, but no, no trace of Robert to be found. Why would you leave the dog behind? About a month, about a month later, an Arizona Superior Court state arrest warrant was issued at Phoenix, charging Fisher with three counts of first degree murder and one count of arson. What year was this? 2001. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Fisher was declared a fugitive and a, and a federal arrest warrant was issued by the United States District Court for the District of Arizona charging him with unlawful flight to avoid prosecution. What a, what a trash human being. Mm -hmm. Um, He was named by the FBI as the 475th fugitive to be placed on the 10 most wanted list. That is a large number of fugitives. That is a very, that's too many. That's too many. That's too many. I'm sure it's more to this day. Oh yeah. He was also on America's Most Wanted Dirty Dozen list of the show's most notorious fugitives. And the FBI was offering a reward up to $100,000 for information leading to his capture. So did his, did they ask, like, talk to the, his parents? Like, yeah, I mean, they did intensive investigation on this, but um, just a few years after Oh, no, it wasn't. It was about a year after he was placed on the uh, 475th as the fugitive to be placed on the most most wanted list. Uh, The FBI started receiving hundreds and hundreds of leads. leads Wow. People thinking that they saw him. However, any sighting uh, that was stated or given was 
inconclusive or false. Yeah. In 2004, an individual with a striking physical resemblance to Robert Fisher was arrested in Vancouver, British Columbia by the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. They fingerprinted this individual and um, evidently was not Fisher. Dang it. This individual was still held by Canadian police for approximately one week until a family member correctly identified him. The Canadian police are, police are like, I don't care if the fingerprints don't match. We're keeping this guy until someone confirms. <laughs> I mean, um, way to go, Canada. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So what if no one came for that guy. He's like, I'm not Fisher. And they're like, we don't <laughs> care. <laughs> we don't care. You can still find Robert Fisher's um, wanted fugitive flyer on the FBI's fugitive site or what like they you know how they have those like flyers that you like see in grocery stores they have like a whole website for it but um wow you see see that on there and then they have different photos of what he would look like now because that was about 20 years ago now oh yeah um and yeah that is robert fisher he said to still be out there they all suspect suspect he might have committed suicide but he is probably in a, a loner in an isolated area living his life so if you know or identify this man please look contact your local police yes he accepted to be armed and dangerous so that's awful he's probably just living right next to somebody restarted yeah. his life he's probably married to somebody yeah because it sounds like he can't be alone and he probably has another dog named Blue. That makes me so oh, mad. No. Yeah, I, I almost didn't do it because I was like, this is gonna make me nervous, like going to sleep, or knowing that, like, what if you listen to it? I doubt it. But, you know, but. that's something that it's that type of stuff scares me. No, it's like, can we restart now? No, my computer. Oh. (laughs) So, thank you for listening to my story. I, yeah, that's a sad one. I don't like it when it, it, they, they don't have a conclusion. No. So, wow. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. No problem, Bob. Uh, oh, Katie, my name is Amy. Uh huh. Who's Bob? Uh, Bob's uh, garage. Garage. Bob, an uh, auto auto repair. Uh, <laughs> he he lives in Schitt's Creek. Oh, yeah. <laughs> seems like a nice guy. <laughs> um, so. Uh, if you want to continue listening, please hit that subscribe button uh, on uh, Spotify and Spotify. on we're on Spotify and on Apple Podcast. We're still trying to get onto Stitcher and uh, Google Podcast, so bear with us on those. But you can definitely find us on those other two. Uh, platforms uh we have a website uh did you take my shirt.com we have an instagram d y d y t m s d y t m s podcast <laughs> and twitter which i uh is the same as instagram d y t m s podcast um, we also have a Facebook. It's Did You Take My Shirt? Um, and uh, our email is Did You Take My Shirt at gmail.com. Email at us. Tell us your stories. We, we want to just, we want to hear about you. Tell us about you. Yeah. Please um, don't harass us, though. Please just send like nice letters, maybe. Yeah. We're very <laughs> sensitive. <laughs> yeah. Please um, don't make me cry. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, if you have a correction or something like that, sure, go ahead, let us know. Um, we would like to, we want to better ourselves and better the podcast. So yeah. the only way we can do that is. But it, be polite. 
yeah, be polite and uh, join our Patreon um, on Patreon. Or did you take my shirt? Patreon.com. Um, help uh, better this podcast. Uh, and if you like listening, come back, please. And if you join our Patreon too, you can see the exclusive video yeah. that we take. Yeah, we like to film ourselves. Yes, we have fun filters on right now. So you'll get that the whole time. And I have a different background, Disney background each time. It's fun. It's like we're in Disneyland talking about the whole time talking about murder. You know, that (laughs) is something that you and I do. We go to Disney World and talk about murder. Yeah, so it's a fun passing time. It is. It's uh, two things at once. Um, (laughs) So we're going to go, but please come back for next week for episode four. Be safe. Be good. Uh, Take care of yourselves. All right. Bye. Bye.